0: Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today, we will highlight the next mid-tier production company. I'm speaking of Nevada Copper, North America's next copper producer, trading on the TSX symbol NCU and on the OTC symbol NEVDF. Joining us for a conversation is Matthew Gilly. He is the president and CEO of Nevada Copper. Mr. Gilly, welcome to the show, sir.
1: Wow, it's fantastic to be here, Maurice. Thank you very much.
0: Matthew, for first-time listeners, who is Nevada Copper, and what is the value proposition you present for investors?
1: All right, Maurice, so who is Nevada Copper? Nevada Copper is the owner of Pumpkin Hollow. Pumpkin Hollow is a five-billion-pound resource of copper in Yearington, Nevada, about 80 miles outside of Reno. There's two projects really there. There's a open pit and underground in the Pumpkin Hollow area. We are the only major shovel ready, fully permitted copper project in the U.S. We're in a Tier 1 mining jurisdiction in a prolific copper district. Yearrington historically has been a very large copper producer. We have a lot of blue sky in terms of drilling and the potential MA with with the areas around us and we got strong financial partners to make this uh, project uh, fully financed.
0: Now Mr. Gilly before we delve into your flagship project Pumpkin Hollow, please provide us with a brief narrative on the background of Nevada Copper.
1: Alright, so Nevada Copper has been around since about 1999 is when it first was incorporated. It really gained some traction in 2006 and it was really focused on Pumpkin Hollow, in developing Pumpkin Hollow. That was a time of, uh, of rising copper prices. It was a time of a lot of excitement for, for copper. And for it, it was a time when, when mines, mines were big and projects were big. And the team there did a fantastic job of permitting Pumpkin Hollow. And why I say that is that they established, they established a land package of private land. Pumpkin Hollow is entirely on, pub, on private land. And that, was a, that required cooperation with the federal government and the state of Nevada and the city of Yerington. They secured that as private land and secured that land package. And really were ready to develop this into a major asset. About that time, it got difficult in the copper industry. You know, around 2012 to 2015, it got really difficult. And quite frankly, uh, the, the, the team ran out of money. What we've done um, since then is refinance the project. You will see that on the the press releases, the the $375 million refinancing package. And we're now ready and poised to finish the construction of the underground that was was started by the previous team, and then bring on and and complete the feasibility studies on the open pit to really turn that into a real value-making entity.
0: You alluded to the copper sector here. Two-fold question for you. Why should the market be excited about the copper sector? And how does Nevada Copper's Pumpkin Hollow fit into the narrative?
1: Where we see the real growth in copper is in in the electrification of the world. Not just electric vehicles, but but electricity is just a much more efficient way to transfer energy. And you're seeing that across the world. So if you think about a, a, a vehicle the electrification of a car takes the steel engine block and transforms that into a copper electric motor. And the transmission of this energy now is not through a pipeline like petroleum, but through electrical conductors, using uh, some, some of which use copper. So that's really that, that value proposition we see for copper from, this, from the demand side, On the supply side, I just want to stress that there's been a limited or reduced amount of investment in expanding the the copper supply. You're seeing a lot of permitting issues. You're seeing a lot of tough jurisdictions to get licensed to operate. And you're also seeing a lot of existing open pit producers as they wind down, converting over to underground resources that just require more capitalization and have higher operating costs. So these are the things that we're seeing that are affecting the supply side of copper, and that's why we're so excited as Nevada Copper. We are the only fully permitted property. It it takes a lot of time and energy and resources to get permits and to get that license to operate. Nevada Copper has secured that with the stakeholders involved, and we are constructing right now.
0: Walk us through your flagship project, the Pumpkin Hollow, and tell us about the location, metallurgy, and scale.
1: Okay, so Pumpkin Hollow is about 80 miles outside of Reno, Nevada, in a town called Yearington. Historically, that yearington has been a copper producer with a company called Anaconda in the, in the 50s to the 70s. The property itself, the project of Pumpkin Hollow, has two mines an underground, we call it the east resource, and an open pit, which we call the west resource. They're about four kilometers from each other. And so they, they seem like they're the same property, but they're not, they actually are two discrete mines that could be run independently, and we will run them independently from the standpoint of production. Of course, we'll share infrastructure and those sort of things. The underground, we're building a 5,000 ton a day underground with its own processing facility on site. And the open pit, right now, we're in the process of re-engineering. Historically, it had been uh, established as a 70,000 ton a day producer and processor of ore. We're gonna re-engineer that and we're aiming for about half that production rate, but uh, an increase in in comparative copper production by increasing the grid. From metallurgy, it's very straightforward float copper concentrate with some precious metal credits it's exported to a smelter and so that kind of describes to you the size of of pumpkin hollow the underground we would anticipate producing about 27,000 tons of copper per year in copper concentrate and the open pit is a number around 100,000 tons per year of copper in concentrate.
0: What are the economics of Pumpkin Hollow?
1: So from the the economics of Pumpkin Hollow, so so far, $220 million of capital spend has been invested in Pumpkin Hollow by the previous um, teams that have managed it. We're looking at a number between $180 to $200 million of initial capital investment between now and the end of 2019 in order to get the Pumpkin Hollow underground up into its full production. Full production will be reached in mid-year 2020. So that's kind of the the capital investment required there. When we're in full production, we'll be uh, generating about $70 million a year of free cash flow from the operation. And it's got about a 13-year mine life. The economics of the open pit are are a little different. We're targeting an open pit of, of About half the size of the feasibility study originally published in 2015, so that would put it at about 35,000 tons a day with its own processing facility. It's got about a 16-year mine life. And again, like I said, that would produce about 100,000 tons a year of copper and concentrate.
0: What can you share with us about the production profile and cash generation?
1: So for the production profile and cash generation of the underground deposit, that's well defined and as we're constructing it now, the production profile will be about 27,000 tons per annum of copper and concentrate, generating a free cash flow of around $70 million a year at our consensus pricing. The open pit, we're still in the process of re-engineering. We, we're targeting our a annual production of around 100,000 tons per year of copper and concentrate and still working through the feasibility study on just how does that translate into cash generation.
0: How big of a concern should it be for speculators regarding infrastructure and capital expenditures?
1: Of course, as an investor you should always be concerned about infrastructure and capital expenditures. From the standpoint of infrastructure Nevada lends itself to good, efficient infrastructure. We're on a rail spur. There's a rail spur just outside of the project. We're on good, high-quality paved roads. We're within 10 kilometers of an existing high-tension power line, and we've got our water secured. So from the infrastructure standpoint, we're in good shape. From the capital standpoint, uh, look, that's why our team is in place, a team of proven mind builders that understand how to manage projects and deliver projects on budget and on time and that's really our focus of the management team at this point.
0: Is drilling currently being conducted at Pumpkin Hollow and if yes, how would you rate the results?
1: Uh, We're very proud of the drilling that's going on right now at Pumpkin Hollow. If you're paying attention to our press releases, you'll see we've started to release the results of the drilling on the north pit, open pit area, the west, what we call the west area. So we just started to drill that area out. The, what's exciting about that for us is that previously, before the land swap, before we tied up all this land is Pumpkin Hollow's land, that was government land. And so we didn't drill it, purposely didn't drill it. We'd always suspected, and our models always showed, that there was mineralization of copper to the north of that. And now that we control that land, that we own that land, and we're able to drill on that land, our drilling is showing that, yes, indeed, there is good quality copper mineralization on the north edge of that pit. What that does is it just adds to the copper production profile for Pumpkin Hollow's open pit operations.
0: Which leads into my next question. Is there expansion potential on the Pumpkin Hollow?
1: There is absolutely expansion potential on Pumpkin Hollow, both in the underground and the open pit. And again, it's one of the the things that has excited me the most about Pumpkin Hollow. The, The underground, we know that there are mineral occurrences underground. We know that there are some resources underground. Just really inefficient to drill them as deep as they are from the surface. So that's really going to be one of our first focuses as we finish out the underground is to establish the drill platforms so that we can expand that underground resource model and then convert some of that resource to reserves. So a lot of potential lies between the two sides of the underground and in the open pit as we as we talked about previously that there's that north extension that we we know is is a high potential area and our initial drill holes from there are showing that same potential. There's also some areas that are deeper in the open pits and in in between the north and south open pits that also show that same potential and we'll continue to pursue those as we go through our exploration program.
0: Let's discuss the defined path to production. What can you share with the audience?
1: Absolutely. So, the defined path for production for the underground is very clear. We've started construct pre-work construction now. We will be commissioning the underground hoisting system and plant facility in the fourth quarter of 2019. And we'll be up to a full ramp up at 5,000 tons a day of hoisting and and processing about mid-year 2020.
0: Before we leave Pumpkin Hollow, are there any reversionary interests?
1: Pumpkin Hollow is 100% owned by Nevada Copper. There's a small royalty holding, but other than that, Nevada Copper completely controls the Pumpkin Hollow deposit.
0: Are there any redundant assets such as patent mining claims?
1: No, there's no, re- there's no redundant. We, we, the land package is completely private ownership, and it's completely under Nevada Copper.
0: All right, switching gears... We've covered the latent material on the ground. Let's discuss what I consider the most important aspect, which is the people. Who is on your board of directors and what makes them qualified for the task at hand?
1: All right, Maurice, really excited about the board of directors. This is a group of people who have been brought together that really understand how to construct and operate mines. Uh, You know, the two newest board members, Mr. Tom Albanese and Ernie Nutter. Tom Albanese has a long distinguished career with, with Rio Tinto and certainly somebody that I have had the privilege of working with for many, many years in, in my prior careers. And then Ernie Nutter brings a huge amount of experience with RBC and then, and then on to capital markets, uh, just a, an icon of the copper and mining industry in Canada. Very fortunate to have these high quality people on the board of directors.
0: Tell us about Matthew Gilley and what unique skill set does he bring to the table?
1: Okay, so that's, that's an interesting question. And Matt Gilly is a miner and a mine builder. That is, that is how I define myself. I'm a mining engineer and I've had the, the great fortune and opportunity to build and operate mines all across the world. All across North America, Alaska, South Africa, Mongolia. And now, in Nevada.
0: Now, share with us what attracted you to Nevada Copper?
1: Wow, Nevada Copper. You know, Nevada Copper is just the right mine in the right place at the right time. It is It is really the, a chance for Nevada Copper to show what it's capable of. It's fantastic to me to be part of that team that Brings this this asset on in a time when the industry wants more copper producers, where where customers want more copper, and where what they really want is a mine that has been very well thought through to be an efficient use of capital and a fantastic generation of cash flow and wealth. So this is a very fan- exciting time for me. I, I'm really, I really from the chance to be able to shape the very beginning of Pumpkin Hollow.
0: Should something happen in your absence, who would lead the company?
1: Ah, That's a great, great point, Maurice. Yes. What we do have is a fantastic group of directors who are experienced, as we discussed, and we have a very strong management team from diverse backgrounds, all of which could step in in my absence. That's really one of our focuses as, we, as we're as we bringing together this new team and we're developing Pumpkin Hollow and Nevada Copper, is to put together those strong succession plans so we are confident in our ability to execute
0: know, Speaking of team, we haven't addressed the technical team. What can you share with us?
1: Oh, right. Right now, our technical team is led by Phil Day. He's our chief operating officer and just a fantastic asset. Had all kinds of experience across the world in building mines and really brings that, brings that whole team together. What he has done is really gelled the rest of the technical team into a very cohesive unit. We're very pleased with the addition of David Swisher, who comes along as well, somebody who has built a lot of mines, but that doesn't take away from the strong background of people who have been experienced with Nevada Copper for a long time, like Greg French, who is our Vice President of Exploration, and Tim Dyer, who's our Vice President of Environmental and External Relations. So we're really fortunate to have a mix of people who have been with the property for a long time and have that institutional knowledge and great experience, and a few new people who bring uh, the little the new approach and the new energy into the property.
0: Sounds like a good mixture here. Let's get into some numbers here. How much cash and cash equivalents do you have?
1: So you know if you go through the press releases, you'll hear and see a lot about the refinancing we completed right at the beginning of this year that has really set us up for going forward with the construction of Pumpkin Hollows Underground. Today, our cash and cash equivalents in the bank on the balance sheet is about $45 million.
0: Talk to us about cash flow distribution. You know, Where is this cash being spent?
1: Right now, all of our cash is focused on the construction of the pumpkin hollow underground with minor amounts going into the, the drilling we talked about as, of the open pit as well as completing the feasibility study of the open pit. So if you look at my mandate, my mandate is very much first construct the underground, but equally importantly, commence and bring forward the feasibility study for the open pit.
0: How much debt do you have?
1: There's $80 million of debt on the balance sheet today.
0: What is your burn rate?
1: It's it, full construction will burn about $12 million per month. If you look at it another way, we have about another 180 to $200 million of project capital to spend between now and the end of 2019 to bring the underground into full production.
0: Tell us about your share structure.
1: So uh, right now we have 450 million shares outstanding. About 70 of those, 70% of seventy of those shares are held by our two major in, institutional investors.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a... Close to four hundred and fifty million shares. That's quite significant. How did Nevada Copper get into this position?
1: Well, you know, look. So you had your you had your original IPO, um, and this has really been part of the whole refinancing that occurred at the end of last year. There was the conversion of a lot of debt into additional shares, and so this is really um, the formation of the new Nevada Copper.
0: What is the float again?
1: Thirty percent. It would be thirty percent of our shares are are the float. If seventy percent are controlled by institutional investors.
0: Speaking of your institutional investors, who are they, and what is their level of commitment?
1: So the the largest institutional investor is Pala Pala Investments out of Zug. Uh, Pala Investment. The our our chairman, Mr. Stephen Gill, is a non-exec or non-executive chairman. Mr. Stephen Gill is a managing partner at Pala Investments. And they take uh, quite an active role right now in managing this asset. Many of our key management team people are from the Palo organization. I have been working with them now for about a month and am extremely pleased and fortunate to be working with such a high caliber group of people. The 20% of the rest of the institutional investment is done through a group called Castle Rock. Uh, They're treating this much differently, more as an investment, less direct impact, less direct involvement, but still very supportive of the project as you would expect from somebody that owns so many shares.
0: What are the change of control fees?
1: There are no change of control fees, there's there's small change of control fees associated with some of the key staff, but other than that, there's no change of control fees.
0: Multi-layered question here. What is the next unanswered question for Nevada Copper? When should we expect results? And what determines success?
1: Great question. On the underground, it's not an unanswered question. We know the direction, we know the path, and it's clear. And it's, and it's public. The real next unanswered question in Nevada Copper is going to be the results of the re-engineering of the feasibility study for the open pit. No, we have a fantastic resource there. We know that the previous approach was well thought out for the context of the time, but those times have changed. And the industry is looking for more capital efficient ways of producing copper. So we're through going through that study right now. I can tell you that the initial results are very exciting. Through the course of this year, we're going to be able to produce and publish that feasibility study. And then by by the end of this year, be able to update the reserve statement to reflect that. So that's really the next exciting unanswered question for Nevada Copper. What does that open pit look like, and how does it add shareholder value?
0: Now, if plan A doesn't work, what is plan B?
1: Hmm. So plan A is that we develop the underground, and then we transition into the open pit starting probably around the end of 2020. Um if if that doesn't work, what we'll do is we can we can always put the open pit on hold. And like I said before, there is the two properties there, the two mines are mutually exclusive. And and the way and we purposely have done that such that we are able to either bring the open pit forward, if, if the economics were to indicate that it would be advantageous to bring that forward, or we can also delay that if necessary in order to best meet the needs of the shareholders.
0: In closing, Matthew, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about?
1: Oh, that's, that's a good question. Okay, so the thing that keeps me up at night more than anything is the cost escalation that we're concerned about in the mining industry—you're um, seeing a rejuvenation of mining. You're seeing a rejuvenation of people excited about mining projects. So I, I get a little worried about cost escalation. The team is managing that very well, but but I always worry about that. That's kind of my my biggest my biggest thing that worries me. Because I always say, you know, what keeps me up at night. Is the, is the safety and well-being of the employees of Nevada Copper. Just always knowing that it is, it is our responsibility to ensure everyone goes home safe and healthy every night.
0: Last question. What did I forget to ask?
1: I would want to stress the regional capacity of Nevada Copper, that yearington district. So that would be something I would really want to focus on. yearington historically had been a major copper producer. Where's the source of that porphyry? Where is the source of all this copper? Can Nevada Copper find that? And can Nevada Copper capitalize on that? So that's what excites me. So you've asked me the question about what keeps me up at night. What really excites me is Finding, unlocking the, the, the riddle of Earrington and finding that big copper play that really transforms the United States copper industry.
0: Now, Matthew, for someone listening that wants to get more information about Nevada Copper, please share the contact details.
1: Absolutely. Please come to our, our website, nevadacopper.com. We'll be able to take you through there and show you what we're doing. We introduce you to the management team, the board of directors, and really the history of Nevada Copper.
0: And for our audience, we wish to remind you that Nevada Copper trades on the TSX symbol N-C-U and on the O-T-C symbol N-E-V-D-F. For additional inquiries, contact Richard Matthews. His phone number is 604-683-8992. Again, that number is 604-683-8992. Or you may email rmatthews at nevadacopper.com. The email again is rmatthews at nevadacopper.com. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenimprobable.com, where we interview the most respected names in the natural resource space. You may reach us at contact at com. Matthew Gilley of Nevada Copper. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. And as a reminder for our listeners, Nevada Copper is a sponsor of Proven and Probable. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy,